I started out being a little miserable, lonely lad in my room, working a job I hated. I wrote songs, didn't show them anybody, just did it for the pure pleasure of it. And I, something snapped and I thought, I'm going to try and do a gig. And it changed my life, basically. I've made so many friends, I've had so many experiences just by being creative. I'd like to pass that on to young people and anybody really who'd listen. Be creative, you'll make friends, come to more events like these. Your life will be enriched. You know, I've been to LA, I've been to these places, I've spent a lot of time in London. And it's just, it's just not for me, it really isn't. I love being from Sunderland, I love being from here. All my friends, my family, my passions are all here. It's what I write about and I want to build us up the best I can from here. And I don't think me going to LA or me going to London is going to do anything apart from make me have my head up my own backside. I'm Stevie B. He's a Mackin. And she's from South Shields. And this is... Speak Up Sunderland Live! Whoop whoop, chicken soup! <laughs> Today's episode of Speak Up Sunderland is part of our second live event at the Peacock in, surprise, surprise, Sunderland! And we recorded it on Wednesday. I'm still in, like, this weird bubble of how <laughs> mint Friday, Friday, how mint Wednesday was. I've had a Cheshire Cat grin since then. I tell you, I was emotionally wrecked the day after as well. You look wrecked still. <laughs> How many hours of sleep you had? I've had loads of sleep. I was sleep. These are, these are uh, character lines. Car- is, that, is that what they are? are they? <laughs> they are for radio and they are for podcasts and stuff like that. Very much so. But oh. I'm very handsome on radio, mate. <clears throat> That's why you work in radio, love. That's why you work on radio. you got a face for and radio. And nah. you got a face for a podcast. We were joined by the incredibly talented Sunderland-based singer and songwriter, Marty Longstaff. Oh! Fangirl! Fangirl! Do you know what it is? I'm glad that... It was quite hard to get in touch with him because he's a busy lad, but uh, I'm so glad he came. He was just... He was magical. Every single person... It was another one of those pin drop moments. The amount of grown men that were in tears, I was just... It was absolutely amazing, but that just shows how talented that bloke is. And the fact that he's 30-something married with a kid, I thought he was 22. (laughs) You thought he was, like, just over 20. I thought he was a proper (laughs) babe. And there was notes he could reach. I can't even reach those notes. Isn't it? Isn't it this, this is what I love about like live music and local music as well. When you're sitting that close to like, talent and it's just coming out of them, it's just coming out of the pores, it's just an incredible moment. I generally think when he sings that song live, it's better than what he released in the charts. I, I actually thought that at the time. It was exactly, yeah. I applaud him. Sunderland, <laughs> you made an absolute star. Marty, we love you! We were so chuffed with the turnout. I mean, honestly, mind-blown. And we'd love for it to grow and grow. Spread the words, tell your friends, tell everyone. And our next live podcast is going to be Wednesday, the 13th of March, back at the people. Woo! That's really soon. God, I need to find another outfit. I can't wait. I want it to be tomorrow. I'm still buzzing. Write it down, put it on your phone, put it in your diaries, put it on Facebook, everything. We want you there. Wednesday, the 13th of March. Before we start, on a scale of about 10, how excited are you? Mega. Mm, look at that little smile. Because we've got live music. It is, that's great, Mark. You just made his day, you're doing this right. I mean, I'm going to stutter because I'm chuffed. I'm that chuffed. We talk about all the time about how passionate we are about something and, and being born and bred and so on, but I've always loved my music. I've got a show on Spot, which I love. I've always been passionate that we've got so much talent on our doorstep. 
when you hear like live bands or even buskers or when we've got Sunnyside or, or whatever and you hear that there's a local a local lad playing like say Tom Mouse Smith or whatever and, and they're just getting up and singing these are lads that's born and bred now on our city and you forget how good the talent is in our city before we talk to, to Marty I'd like him to um, sing a song which is really poignant for Sunland and we're really proud of it did anyone watch the, the Netflix show which was um, Sunland Till I Die? Yeah. Now, do you remember the theme tune for it? Yeah. How would you like to hear it live? <laughs> I'll hand you over to uh, the writer and performer of, of that song. Yes, my name's Marty. I wrote a song. Uh, it was on an album I made in 2015. And I put it out and I forgot about it. And I got an email last summer that they were going to use it on a documentary. I uh, didn't think much of it. And then I came on telly. And everybody start asking about this song. It's called Shipyards. I wrote about my granddad who worked at Austin Pickers Gill and unfortunately he passed away a couple of years ago. But he was a very quiet man, a very dignified man. He worked extremely hard all of his life. And uh, I hope that that can be even half the man he is. Or was. On the river where they used to build the boats By the harbour wall, the place you love the most I can see you there alone, but are you? No I'll be there Soon all your life you worked your fingers to the bone You worked hard for every little thing you owned That you gave away for years as if you'd known They were called Calling out they were calling out I'm calling out That if you could see me now And if you could see me now Hope that I'm making you proud I hope that I'm making you proud I hope that I'm making you proud Proud Like a ship you built your long gone from the coast And where we are and where we go we'll never know On a ship you built that's where I see you most With your smile Your smiling eyes you smile and eyes With your smile and eyes 
But if you could see me now And if you could see me now I hope that I'm making you proud I hope that I'm making you proud I hope that I'm making you proud, proud, and proud. I tell you what, I'm quite oh. happy to say that things like that happily make me cry, genuinely. It's just amazing. <sighs> Do you know what it is? For me, I mean, there's a thousand things I want to I want to talk about, and, and particularly you, Marty, but my dad's been in the shipyards, so it was really... It's, it's really poignant. It's a Sunderland song. It's about the Sunderland. It's about your granddad. It's about the, the massive... Massive heritage that we've got in, in Sunderland, which is the shipyards. It still affects people now. It still affects like generations now who are coming through because they remember their granddads that's been at, to, to the shipyards as well. With our generation, yeah. it, it's kind of Nissan, possibly not being cheeky, has kind of taken over the whole Sunderland theme, hasn't it? Whereas the shipyards were, were, were prominent when we were younger. Everybody worked, actually most people that left school, the shipyards was their option, wasn't it? So 3,000 people in every shipyard. Yeah. And it was a fantastic place to be. There's just nothing better than mining and shipyards yeah. and all that kind of... I think that song kind of sums it all up. That was Andrea Bell sat in the audience. She'll be in the future episode talking about her plans to create a soup kitchen here in Sunderland. A lot of jokes originated from the shipyards. You know, it was a fantastic place to work. Long hours, all sorts of weathers. Working in the snow on that shipyard over there. Fun to get the job done, you know. Get ready for the lunch. They were real men Cold. then. Oh, they were real men then. They worked tough conditions. So Marty, the, the song, I mean, it's one of those songs when you, when, even when you read the words, though, it's just pure poetry. Everyone, everything in the, in the song, every word in the song, it just resonates with anybody, I think, in Sunderland. So look, take us back. When you were writing this song, where, what was the inspiration? What was the, the thing that made you think, right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about this? It was 2010 when I wrote it. My granddad just passed away. He, he had a chest problem from working in the shipyards. He was a river catcher to begin with, and then he was a crane driver. Very hard job. Yeah, he told us all about it, um, oh, so burnt, it was very difficult. Burnt hands and everything. Yeah, yeah. Rivets going down the back of the neck, oh, he, red hot. Some horror stories, basically, you know, he told us about big injuries and... Sticking on the clothes, you know. Yeah, you know, like, but I think I mentioned it in the song, and he did work his fingers to the bone, you know, but he was one of those men from that generation, he just got on with it. And I don't remember him ever whinging. I don't remember him ever, like... You know, he obviously had his down times, but he just had to get on with it, you know. For me mum, for me, me uncle, for me nana. That's why I've got a great amount of respect for him for, for having that type of job that, you know, I don't think I could 
do without having a bit of a moan. I mean, one of my jobs was ramming the, the blocks out from underneath the ship. And when you think of 76,000 tonnes of steel and you're underneath ramming the, the wood blocks out, and the, 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 the nearer it got to the, the, the far end, all the weight was on those last blocks. There was a ram that had four handles on one side, four on the other side, and eight men going like that, ramming the blocks. Sometimes the blocks were so tight with the weight, the ram would just bounce back like that. And you'd just go up the ship. And um, I remember one, it was the biggest one built on GL Thompson's, 150,500 tonnes, called the Aurora. And we rammed out on that, and after we finished, we were just exhausted, you know. But you had to do it, it had to be done. That's when it was the biggest shipbuilding town in the world. Big ships and quality ships. Can I just mention this point really for the podcast as well? So the person you're listening to was actually my dad. What? <laughs> I'm a bit deaf with I know you, no, no. I know. I can, I'm just introducing you as my dad. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and you I'm, will come down to get here and I'm going deaf with working in the shipyards and being in bands for 50 years. So the, and this ear tonight went pop. When I was getting washed. <laughs> so I'm deaf in this look. It's his. <laughs> oh, there you are. Bravo. See? So, get in there, Kenny. Someone humour. Someone humour. So, yeah, can we, so if I can just get back to, to the song then. So, um, it's, the, it's the way it's sung as yeah. well, let's not forget. It's the voice. It's the uh, intonation. It's, it's the feeling. It's the passion. Yes, it's, it's all in there. It's not just the words. Ken Devine, an artist who runs Frederick Street Gallery in Sunnyside. A lovely, lovely man. I am a really big fan of him. And then Jacob Kirkbride, MA radio student at the University of Sunderland. He also wanted to congratulate Marty on the song. I mean, like, the lyrics, I mean, like, first of all, Martin, I must say, like, my mum absolutely loves you, like, since that song came out. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally, we had it on the speaker system at Christmas time, like, played over and over again. I mean, my mum's a Roka girl, like, born and bred, so just up the road, so she can, like, relate to, like, the things that you're saying in the song. I mean, obviously, the team at the minute, obviously, you can remember, like, playing in front of, like, a live crowd on Boxing Day. I mean, I want you played at Wembley at yeah. the end of next month. I, I want that. Like, that would be just, like, a dream come true. But, obviously, we have to get there first. But that would just be, like, mean the world to, like, people up here, so. Before I went to Paphos, my friend made me watch his video. I've now seen it 27 times now. If you start singing it, I think I can pick the words up for windowsill. Now, I think that was poetry. Oh, thanks. I think it was clever. Okay, so... I try. Yeah, so behind the scenes, even oldies like me love your music. And, <laughs> and first time I've met you, first time I've actually seen you live, but I did know your music. Oh, cool. So, That's cool, it's no? really cool. Thank you. Very inspirational. So apart from your music, what else are you doing? So I trained as a teacher in 2012, yeah. Trained as a primary school teacher. I taught for about a year in a few schools and then I decided to try and do music on the side and it kind of evolved into doing it full time. And I've made an album, I've made an EP, I've kind of toured around all the UK, uh, quite a bit of Europe, a little bit of the United States. And I still try to do that occasionally, but I'm 30 now. Are oh, you? Yeah. Mate, you look about 22. <laughs> God, I've never thought that. I've been um, married, so I've got a house and I've got a little dog and stuff. So. What? <laughs> um. <laughs> Just before you say anything else, I'm slapping you. What did I do wrong now? I know you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I do, uh, I do workshops uh, with kids and adults. And at the minute I'm working with um, five SEN schools in Sunderland. 
to do with songwriting and creative workshops and stuff. What, what essay? Uh, kids with special educational needs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, so so I train as a mainstream teacher, but I've been working in Barbara Priestman, for example, mm-hmm. Columbia Grange, um, Sunnendale, etc., etc. <laughs> Just writing songs and having a daft laugh with them. It's good he's not real, is he? Shall I prod him to make sure he's real? I oh. think he's spot on. Uh, this is Lee Milburn. Lee Milburn has been a mate of mine for about 30 years. He's worked at Nissan and gave Nissan 27 years of his life. Would you like to name drop some of the people you've worked with? In 2015, I went to Nashville in Tennessee and then Los Angeles. I worked with another Sunland lad, Dave Stewart, of Eurythmics fame. Got on really well with Dave. I still, still know and talk to Dave now. And when he came back to the Empire last year, I saw a year before, played the Empire with him and his band and stuff like that. It was good fun. I've wrote songs with Graham Goldman from 10CC. Mm. He's probably the most famous, well, of that generation songwriter I've worked with, but just various people over the years I've, I've kind of bumped into and just met and, and talked to me love of songwriting with and just like that. It's no magic, just I like writing songs, they like writing songs, so just have a bit crap on. So are you trying to put that passion towards children? Yes, so I believe very strongly in education is a fundamental positive force for the world and especially from where we're from we'll sometimes get a bit down now look and I do agree that education is extremely important I'd never had any formal music training I never had a guitar lesson or a singing lesson or anything I just kind of must have just been in us somehow and I just managed to get it out there and I've, I've noticed firsthand if you, you give certain kids who maybe can't sit still or might have behavioral problems or don't fit in a mainstream school environment if you give them a musical instrument they can just express themselves and be happy and whether that be writing or just playing an instrument or getting some sort of emotion out, it might stop them going and getting frustrated at home or having some sort of fight or any type of problems. I've seen it firsthand. So I, f- I fully believe, like, this might sound a bit preachy, but I think I'm here to show that, if that makes any sense. You know, I've been to LA, I've been to these places, I've spent a lot of time in London. And it's just, it's just not for me. It really isn't. I love being from Sunderland, I love being from here. All my friends, my family, my passions are all here. It's what I write about. And I want to build us up the best I can from here. And I don't think me going to LA or me going to London is going to do anything apart from make me have my head up my own backside, basically. Very true. Do you know, I couldn't have wrote a script for you to to say Mm -hmm. better than that. It's it's just so fantastic to hear somebody with so much passion because a lot of my work in in education, working with young people who had behavioural difficulties, learning difficulties, emotional problems, all sorts of things, safeguarding issues, all of those things. And the creative side of education is so important. And certainly I I was talking to ex-pupils in the school that I taught in, the music department there, when the music teacher retired, she got an email from Andrew Lloyd Webber to thank her for the contribution she'd made to West End Theatre in this country. That department's gone. Oh, no. There's no art, there's no That's music, horrific. there's no drama. So Leslie Etherington is actually my form tutor. She was my form tutor for the whole five years that I was at Thornhill School, and it was so exciting to see her. Um, she turned up unannounced, and it was a big surprise. And, and, and then people wonder why we've got young people with, with huge emotional problems and all sorts of things because the things that really give kids that extra bit and, and, and something that they really enjoy has just gone. Well, what I find it's very strange going. about it all, especially coming from a teaching background as well, is that our biggest export, one of our biggest exports is our creative sector. And we've kill, we're killing music and art and all that type of things in schools. I don't understand the, the thinking behind it. 
we're never going to compete with China or the United States in engineering terms and things like that. So why are we making everybody be a scientist or a mathematician? It, it bores the brains off them. If you want to play guitar and sing, I might be like a, an anomaly, but I've done it. I've, I've traveled around. I've made money. I can pay me rent. I can pay me bills. I can pay me mortgage. Being a creative person. And I don't know why it's so looked down upon. It's true. And Barbara Priestman, you know, obviously I've been involved with other schools. Barbara Priestman, they had young people there. They had a fantastic music teacher. And we were doing good things in, in my school. But the things that they were doing, steel bands and all sorts of things, with kids who couldn't walk, who couldn't talk, who, you know, who couldn't communicate, just to go into there and, and see the pleasure the, you know, and how much the parents enjoyed it. And I think to wipe that out for the, just the sake of English, maths and science is a crime. It, well, it's I, so wrong. I totally agree with you. And I think as well, why does everything have to have an end goal? Why does it have to have, if you do this, you will achieve this? What's wrong with just enjoying music on the day? Or just having a good day? Because you'll go home and you'll have a better day. And you... I played the tambourine. I used to love it. I never made any specific tunes or anything, but I was part of a team that played the tambourine. And it was an outlet for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was sporty and possibly one of the more, you know, I'd, I'd stuck in at school, I tried and all that sort of thing. But the music side of things, that brought out the personality in me and a different side. And, and it's just not there anymore. And it's powerful. Music's, I mean, look at the, the, the music industry now. It's powerful. And we've just, we've, we've just lost it. So people like you are rare. Musicians and artists in this city that we should really, yeah, really is, yeah. be proud of. I, I was talking to Steve's dad. <laughs> and I was saying, we have somebody in this city who makes guitars. And there's a big yeah. launch at the Glass Centre later on this year. This bloke is 70 and he makes the machine heads for guitars. guitars yeah. And his machine heads are in the, um, the Museum of Modern Art in um, New York. He makes guitars for Mark Knopfler, Ed Sheeran, all sorts of people. You know, do we know that he lives in this city, that he's working? He's in an old, knackered, above an old garage in Sunderland. That's fantastic. We should be so proud of the creativity and, and, the, and what we've got in this city. He will be on, you know, in the newspapers, the press. It's a big press thing. Uh, there's a book being written in about music in Sunderland by Ray Dobson and Trevor, yeah, Trevor Thorne, and he's on about page 140. The front cover of that book <laughs> is Roughly. a guitar. Roughly 140. It's, it's, I can't remember, it's something like that. But the guitar they've just done is carved. It's a steel guitar, and it's all engraved. And you just think... This person's in Sunderland, you know, the, mm. how proud we should be mm. to have artists like we have sitting in front of us and over there. It is about shipbuilding as well, you know. My husband, you know, his parents were down the mines, down the pits, but he's a, a musician as well. He, he, he plays concertina and... Do you know what it is? I'm not, I'm not going to make it sound like an obvious plug, but I, I do mean this genuinely. This is why we set up this platform, this Speak Up Sunderland, because we knew... What Sunland's about, we know what's in everybody's hearts. Sometimes people just need a little nudge, or you need to get a group of people together like this who talks about somebody else, and it's like, oh, there's somebody who does this to get ours. It's, it's talking about people, or it's talking about people who, who are so passionate about dogs or soup kitchens or whatever. Don't sit at home, don't put the TV on. Get outside, go and talk to somebody. Go, go and talk to us, forget them, yeah. us. <laughs> and us. Yes, I will make a, a, a blatant plug. Let's build our platform, let's build this speak up Sunland and let's make it massive because Sunland people deserve something like this. Sorry, it's a really big plug like what I'm <laughs> I, but I'm 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 genuine about it. Right. 
Floors open, fire away, Marty be nice. We like him. Any questions? Ken, my love. It's not a question, but with regard to music, we all know that music is inspiring. Um, the, last, the last time I was in this building was when I uh, left school and I came back to uh, Sunderland. I was upstairs and I was listening to, and it was 1969 stroke 70, and I was listening to Dave Stewart, born the same year as me, so he's a young lad. He inspired me ever since then, and I did move away from Sunderland, ever since then, I've owned the guitar and I've learned how to play it and I've played it in, uh, in folk clubs and on the radio, in actual fact, all inspired by uh, w what I heard and felt in that room upstairs. And Steph, where is she? I think your, <laughs> your mum must have been up there at the same time and I must have listened to her. Around the right time when mum and dad met, yeah. Yeah, yeah when it was the, uh, the Derry upstairs with uh, Mick Elliott, yes, yeah, God there. bless us. Oh my goodness, Bill, Bill Hunt and Sheila Carolyn. My dad had a snowball yeah, fight yeah. with John Martin <laughs> when he played up there. Claim to fame. <laughs> Stephanie Smith, a visual artist based in Sunderland and the sender of the BBC Radio 4 documentary, Drawing in the Dark, from last year. You couldn't play for smoke. Yeah, that's great. It's great that you, you know, that's all I can really realistically hope for. You know, we're not here for a long time. You know, not everybody can be Elton John, but if you can inspire somebody to be creative and have a better life through that, that's I'll be happy if I can do that. Still to come on today's Speak Up Sunland, more of the conversation that Marty Longstaff inspired around the room. But now, this is his song, Windowsill. Come on, you said you would Go out tonight You're feeling not so good Who knows you might Come on, we've got tonight Just me and you Your satellite If you only knew But you're watching the world From your windowsill You're trying to figure it out So much world past your windowsill But you've got your fears and your doubts Could you put your hand up if you've been to a local gig recently? A local gig. A local music gig. You can see a like, local music anywhere. Okay, hands up, right up. I'm kind of blind, right, ready? One, okay. two, three, four. Oh, yeah, yeah. What made you mind you humans? Yes, I know. Right, one, two, three, four. Stop doing this. Five, six. Is that you? Are you just spiking it at seven? Eight, nine, nine. Oh, that's about a third of the humans in the audience. I would just implore you, if you see anybody might be a family member, might be a friend, might be a young person who, you know, you know, I would employ you to go and support them mm -hmm. because it means the world to them. It, yeah, you know, you, you can think, oh, it's just around the corner playing to five people at a busker's evening or something, but to a young person, it's the world. And if you go and support them, 
you never know, that might set them on their journey to writing the best song you've ever heard or writing an album that means something to you or doing something that makes you extremely proud. And it's just that little bit of support that you can give to somebody can really, can really alter and change their trajectory in life. So if you can, please support local music as much as you can. As a senior, uh, the thing that puts me off, I love live music, but uh, I get the impression that um, it's just for young people and I might feel out. Um, it, you know, music, music is, is timeless. No, I would, I would agree. In terms of uh, the type of music I make and the type of music I want to go and see, it's just music. You can, you can maybe feel a little bit silly going to a certain gig or whatever, but maybe that's just not the type of gig you should be going to, you know? Maybe it's not for you. Whereas if the type of music that I try to make and the type of music that I like to listen to, it's for everybody, essentially. That's what I'd like to put out there. I'd like to actually kind of answer your question, right? I'm 15 and I'm proud to be. I went to a gig at the Independent about three months ago, and I was at least double everybody's age there. Easily. There, there must have been, average age must have been, there's loads of people underage, about 15, 14, whatever. But average age was about 18, and I didn't care. I didn't care at all because I was there for the music, and I was there to support local music. So... I'll come to you next time. <laughs> come on, mate, fine. Can I just say, because I'm a social clubs. Social club, you mm. always used to have a, a, such an eclectic. You, you, you never got a certain genre. There were always you just had to accept who was on the stage, wasn't it? But you just you supported them, and to be honest, everybody, even if they were rubbish, they still applauded them. But that kind of social club scene was a pretty good platform for local artists. Right. It was it was a right. it was a it was a really good platform. Right. And I think a lot of venues now haven't got that same enthusiasm over local talent when probably the social club scene did have because you could you can could I just throw music? a question to somebody my dad's here obviously I've mentioned everybody my dad's been in a band since he was 18 we've always supported local music we've always had known somebody you, um, you've got a story that you meant you, you actually met Dave Stewart ages ago haven't you but when you hear a local lad singing a song that good about the shipyards what do you feel as a musician a great feeling yeah just a great feeling to sing about your life and when you get the applause afterward, fulfilment, you know, present to live audiences as well, support you. The club supported the live, live uh, music. Did it bring back memories of when, because you used to do it when you were like 14, didn't you? You used to sing when you were 14, so did it bring back any memories? 11. Was it 11, was it? 11. How were you again? When I was, when I was 11, I taught three people to sing, to sing a harmony song, <laughs> and it's called Who Wrote the Book of Love? Hmm. Can we hear it? I kind of sing in three voices. <laughs> um, and I th- you, you can't harmonise with yourself, can you? <laughs> because I'm a harmony singer, I teach harmony, and I can't read music, but I teach harmony. I think there was a few hands going up, so does anybody else have a question? Next up to speak is Adam O'Wellam, a student at the University of Sunderland and an incredible poet. He was on the previous Speak Up Sunderland Live at the end, banging, honestly, made us cry. Yeah, can I just ask Marty... Um, You've talked about creativity and like the arts and the importance, especially for young people and children, in terms of developing that side. And you've also been around different places, and I, I presume you've you've talked to a number of people about these sorts of things. What do you see for Sunderland in terms of tapping into that? Like, is there anything that you've noticed that Sunderland is already doing well, or something that that perhaps has been overlooked that? could be kind of picked up on how do you how, how do you see us tapping into that here well this is a great start for one things like this happen public forum podcasts people getting involved who ordinarily wouldn't might have not met 
in the past. This is a brilliant thing, so please support this. I reiterate, please support local music. If there's any young people you know making music, please go and support them. Might not be your cup of tea, you might not have a good time. You just seeing the look on their face when they've had a good night and done something positive, I can I can tell you that that makes you feel good. We're quite good in Sunland from I've been making music since I was about thirteen, covers bands originally and learning how to go on essentially, learn how to turn up, tune your instruments, plug in, get paid, do a good job. Well, yeah, at the moment. Exactly, yeah. It was it's sort of like an apprenticeship, and then yeah, you move so on, you write your own songs. 30 years ago. Yeah, I read an article, actually, when I started doing support slots 10 years ago, you get 50 quid. You still get 50 quid in 2019. Not even getting that now. Yeah, so, like, something needs to change. There's, there's some sort of... But it would do it for love, yeah. for entertain people. Yeah, but you wouldn't go and... I would go, I would play every night for nothing. But you wouldn't go and fix somebody's sink for nothing if you were a plumber. Somebody goes home, home happy. So, I think you should get paid what you're worth as a musician. Yeah. But, yeah, I would just say, with... With a local scene, if that's what you want to call it, just try and be as supportive and as open as you possibly can, especially with young people. Try and avoid all the negativity that comes along with it and just talk to people you wouldn't ordinarily talk to. It took me a long time to do that, but my life's been much better from doing that and being supportive of other artists. I've known you a long, long time And you say you're a friend of mine but you're the malignant kind, aren't you? I told you I'm on your side That I'm here for you all the time But you can't make your eyes meet mine, can you? That you can't look me in the eye I can live with That you're acting like a child I can live with And that all you seem to do When I'm around Is cross your arms and wear a frown You're a man, why can't you act like one? Lips are thin and your eyes look tired. Jay has come over to me because I pointed so emphatically at you when you said you wouldn't expect to not be paid for fixing a sink. And I think that there's a massive discrepancy in the value of art financially and the value of art culturally, emotionally and just for the well-being of people in general that is... The balance isn't quite there. This is Victoria Armstrong. She's a dancer and choreographer based in Sunderland. It's something that I think that it would be brilliant if we could push towards more. And I think maybe all of us artists need to just start saying it costs more to have us. I'm not sure what the answer is. We live in a kind of throwaway society, you know, especially with modern media. You know, like I I made a record on vinyl because I always wanted to. I've been lucky that people wanted to buy it. But it was a huge expense, whereas a lot of artists these days are quite happy just to pay 20, 30 quid, get it on Spotify, and you make absolutely no money from Spotify at all. Somebody is, but it's not the artist. TV show like EastEnders, it's all art. The writers, the crew, the people that design the costumes, that do the makeup, yeah. that write the scripts, the actors that perform, the people that train, the dialects, everything, it's all art. 
and it's all well paid. Yeah. It's just not at the grassroots level where the money is. And I think that that's some things that we as a community, we have to kind of address that and, and make it so that working artists are getting value for what they're doing. It's recognised. Can I ask a question? Is this based in the area or are you speaking about the whole of the UK? Because we know there's a, something missing in the area, isn't there? So I just wondered if that's what you were... Is it the area that you... The northeast in general, or...? If I'm working in... I, I'm a performance artist, and if I'm working an event down south, I can charge more than I can for an event I'm working here. And even when I charge less than what I'm working here, I'll be asked for more for what I'm given, or I'll be asked for less though. money. You've just said, so it is a north thing, it's not. Nobody works a plumber's or an electrician's apprentice for free. All artists, whether they're in the north of England or the south of England or anywhere in the UK, everybody is expected to work for free. It's exposure. Oh, it won't take you long. It's only a five-minute sketch. It's a, it's a five-minute sketch. It's not. It's a five-minute sketch with a one-hour sit-down before with a 20-year education and experience. Three months preparation. Exactly. So, yes, at the end of the day, plumbers down south get paid more than plumbers up north. Artists down south get paid more than artists up north. But at the end of the day, an artist's apprenticeship is just not valued. Is that the same for music? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. I, I can count. I couldn't count how many times I've been asked to play for nothing. It'll be good for your musical CV or some nonsense like that. That's what I was, what I was yeah, trying to wonder. Is that landlord in exposure? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a thought. I just want to just throw out this. This just come to me head now. But here's a thought. When somebody writes a song as good as this, now and, and I will keep plugging it because it's brilliant. When somebody writes a song like this, it can take them ten minutes. It can take them six months. It can take them two years. So why should somebody who spent two years writing a song from start to finish that's that good, why should they do for free? They shouldn't. Should well, never be done for free. It's on a volunteering basis. Like you're asking for, when you're asking for people for help, for starting off, for helping the community. Oh, yes. But at the end of the day, when they're like, "Oh, can you do me this for a website or for the cover of a CD album, or you play while we take the bar tab behind the yeah, bar." Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. So, something like you this don't is. Play bar you don't play cellar stuff. I'm perfectly happy doing events like this and coming and, and singing a song because exactly. it's got some value. It's a community event. We're all relatively, I think, in the same boat. But you're totally right. I've been asked to go and play, for example, I won't name the establishment, but big places in Newcastle, big places in Sunderland. No fee at all. All the staff are getting paid, door staff are getting paid, promoters are getting the ticket money, venues getting the beer money. And you're just there, not getting paid at all. And I've made that mistake when I was younger. And I would, have, I would try to explain to younger people I work with, don't get sucked into that world because you're getting the mickey tucking out of you. Things I absolutely despise as well, the battle for the bands, pay to play. There's all these pitfalls for kids to fall into and you think you're getting exposure, you think it's a good thing. It's the same with artists' competitions. You pay a subscription, you send your art in. It's the same with poetry, it's the same with short stories. It happens all over the place. But other trades, nobody would... You might do a job for a mate or a neighbour if you're a, a trade... We do work for mates. We, we back each other up if, if we're doing um, exhibitions and we'll come and support each other. But you've got to pay the sparky. You've got to pay the electric bill. You talk about the, the air show. You talk about, hey, you talk about tall ships, the guys that went down 
and laid out all those metal railings, they all get paid. Exactly. Artists. Artists didn't. I worked for free the tall ships because my my friend she was one of the four artists that were chosen from Sunderland to represent emerging Sunderland. She gave four northeast artists an opportunity to perform every day they did. Now they didn't say turn up because we've got great metal barriers. They said turn up because we've got artists and performance. Who got paid? 12 hours for every day of the tall ships and it was because it was my friend and I was assisting her to realise her vision because there wasn't enough money there to pay for there was enough to pay for the dancers but there wasn't enough to pay for the staging or the stage manager or any of the rest of it it was she needed help and I wanted her to be able to realise her vision and for her project to be a success. So I went and I worked as a stage manager on her show for nothing. And I think that a lot of artists do that for other artists. You you work for free, you have a friend who's working on a song, so you go in and you play with them to work on harmonies or whatever, and you're putting your time in for free to create a piece of art that then will possibly not make you any money mm. I think the biggest skill you've got to learn as an emerging artist which I tell the young people I work with is it's, it's quite perfectly fine to say no you, people think especially an artist whatever medium you've got to do everything you've got to get yourself out there but reality you just you're diminishing your own worth as an artist if you do everything that person that I was working for she is an established artist she's a quality artist she was given the funding but the only way she could properly realise what she'd been contractually obligated to do was to get people to work for her for free who knew what they were doing who had experience within that area what I was doing should have been thousands of pounds worth of pay but it it wasn't because the money just wasn't there for that but it was if if I hadn't done it then that would have been a Sunderland artist who had failed at an international standard event. If I hadn't been that help, it would have been so much more stressful for her. It would have been so much harder for her to... Did she at least buy your pint? Achieve, sorry? Did she at least buy your pint? Oh, several. <laughs> you know, I've heard this before. I think I first started this conversation about 60 years ago, and it's been the same conversation for 60 years. The initial problem is that it's not regional... The initial problem isn't that it is artists of one particular kind versus another particular kind. The problem is it's because it's Britain. Now, we are a literal society in that if it's a written word, it has more value than if it's a picture. And you can blame the likes of Henry VIII and his lot with the clearing of the monasteries and and the breaking up of the... The, the, was it called the, the Reformation when they, when they cleared all the pictures out of the, and the churches and stuff like that and it made our nation more reliant on literature than it did on the image now if you go to Spain you find that artists over there are treated much differently if you go to any, any country if you go to any country that has a strong Catholic centre 
they are more aware of the image than we are in this country. And I think it all evolves from this. I spend a lot of time in Bilbao, and it's absolutely heaving with art. Barry West runs Sunland Indie, a collective of artists living and working in the city. They've got an exhibition coming up on March the 20th at the Arts Centre Washington, called A View from the Edge. And I, and I think it's all part of our, our national makeup. And you're not wrong what you're saying, but I can't see how we can make certainly the visual arts more important and become earning for us as artists than changing the whole system in this country, some kind of cultural revolution. And as I say, I've had a lot of thinks about this and it's, and it's been going now for 60 years, this debate backwards and forwards, and I can't see any other way of doing it. Okay. And Barry's coming up very soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all I know from the terms of visual arts is making records. So many people ask for images for free, graphic art for free, artwork for the records. I always pay people I work with. I always try to, and I always do. But you're right. I think there's not much value put on imagery. People see it's just such a, oh, you can just draw it in five minutes, or you can knock it up on the computer. So I do, I do, I do totally accept your point, yeah. Another point, Lee? I've, I've been involved in music uh, uh, on and off for, for many years, and I've seen it from both sides. I've seen who makes the money and who doesn't, how the promotion people make the money, how the actual artists get two shades and out for doing what is the most important bit. The big question I've got is how can we put the value back into what the artists do? to the greater audience so that the true artists can get money out. That is the, that's the kind of key question. It's changing public perception so that the actual artist can sell somehow. How do we propose to, to kind of put that right? I tell you what I've done it. I've just cut out the middleman entirely. So I don't deal with promoters. I don't deal with anything else, I do it all myself. And it's much harder, but it's much more satisfying because you're not lying in somebody else's pockets. You're not relying on anybody else. You might go be a batty in the process. I have, I've went a bit batty now and again. But at least you know you're putting in all the work, you'll reap all the rewards. You've just got to be brave. You've just got to go and think, look, I can do it. And if you don't do it, nobody else is going to do it for you. That is Marty, you're right, because about doing a self-publication, it's exactly what we've just done tonight. Well, I've no doubt there's probably some people here tonight who probably they might have heard of him or they might have heard of the song, but you've seen him live and you've seen how good it is. And this, this is self-promotion. So then everybody here now tells everybody else that you've seen it and then you share it to everybody else and get it out. Let's do some self-promotion this way. But say that it's, you've, you heard it here. Just remember that, yeah? <laughs> remember, speak up something, yeah? That's how this works, right? It just reinforces your point. You've got to have the neck to get out there and just do it. I did it just by having bottle. Do you know what I mean? Self-belief so is not, it's very difficult. It's very yeah. difficult. But what I tell the youngins is you've got to realise if you're creative in any sense and you're doing it, you're doing what 99% of people wish they could do. Aye. Like the wish they could do, they're sitting at home watching somebody on the telly sing and yeah, you might be singing to 30, 40 people but they're sitting at home and you're doing it. Exactly. You're right. Cheers, thanks for that. Exactly. Do you know, like with social media and things, you just hit the right, somebody sees you, just the right place. Maybe, right but I've noticed if you work harder, your luck gets better. Well, it's obviously, it's a really passionate issue that we've got here, and I've no doubt we'll do it again, and I'm just so glad we've had the opportunity. Yeah. 
This six-month thing's going to be a massive surely, isn't it? I just wanted to say, I think um, in an ideal world, you know, art would exist for art's sake and there wouldn't be a monetary value attached to it. But unfortunately, you know, the reality of it is everybody needs a way of making their own money. And unless you've already got money, you can't really indulge in art for art's sake. And most people who are put off, creative pursuits are put off kind of early in their life. And, and the reasoning is always, well, that's not going to make you any money. And statistically, it's not. But um, I think the value of artists at the moment, people don't respect artistry as much as they did in different times. I mean, if you go way back to when the bards would travel up and down the country, you know, they would they would stay somewhere and they would be treated almost like royalty. People loved it because they were bringing them the news, they were bringing them stories, they were bringing them emotions and feelings. There's not much need for that anymore because we can get our news without even leaving our rooms. You know, we can entertain ourselves. And um, I, I think, I don't know what it would take for things to change. I think something's happening because obviously the entertainment industry so it's so saturated there's so much for us I think a lot of us are pulling back at the moment and kind of coming together a little bit more in well things like this or live music unplugging and and kind of trying to reconnect with something a little bit more pure and a little bit more valuable so I think that's kind of the way that we should do it and and I think as well artists helping each other is another thing. I think that artists should continue to support artists and maybe even try even more to support each other because uh, I think artists have been an endangered kind of people for quite a, a long time and it doesn't need to be that way. No, I, I totally think. agree. I started out being a little miserable, lonely lad in my room, working a job I hated. I wrote songs, didn't show them anybody, just did it for the pure pleasure of it. And I, something snapped and I thought, I'm going to try and do a gig and it changed my life, basically. I've made so many friends, I've had so many experiences just by being creative. I'd like to pass that on to young people and anybody really who'd listen. Be creative, you'll make friends, come to more events like these. Your life will be enriched. And if you can get paid, yes, it's a bonus, but don't undersell your worth, essentially. There you go. Salted. (laughs) (laughs) So this... This is why we wanted Marty to come to speak up sooner because we, I knew that it would be... I think it could be a pivotal point for loads and loads and loads of different things. I think more people are going to listen to his music, more people are going to think I'm, I should maybe support a local band. Hopefully more people are going to share what we do and get more people... We want double the amount of people to come to the next one. We want treble the amount of people to come to the next one. We need to have to go to a room that's bigger than this, blah, blah, blah. Yes. You Definitely know. needs to happen. Yes. Can we have a, a massive round of applause, please, for, for that? Oh, thank you to everyone who come to support us at Speak Up Sunday Live. Honestly, it means so much. But if you really want to help us and make a difference, the best way is to subscribe to the podcast and recommend us to a friend. Help us spread the word about Sunland and the amazing people in this city. We need you, so help share us further, you lovely, lovely humans. <laughs> Deal with darkness. I 
see it in you and I feel what you feel A pain you can't describe An ache, a feeling There are wounds and sores that never heal Once in a while you try to hide it Oh, but most of the time They always know Most of the time You will deny it You pray the one day Your pain will go When he hits you, I feel it. When he hits you, I hear you cry. When I'm older, he will not hit you. When I'm older, I'll watch him die. Listen closely And you will hear I see your voices Screaming to get out Ain't it funny The ones that hurt us Are the ones that we Care most about When he hits you, I hear you cry When I'm older, he will not hit you When I'm older, I'll watch him die When I'm older, I'll watch him die When I'm older, I'll watch him die.